December 6, 2019 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, the state of the race and impeachment. Hi, I'm James Lynch with Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Brett Hayworth of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Jorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. And you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, the state of the race. Well, we're less than 50 days from the first in the nation Iowa caucuses. I think we've entered the miss a day, miss a lot phase of the campaign. That's a brief increase in the number of candidates running. We've seen some contractions in the Democratic field. Joe Sestak, Steve Bullock, and Kamala Harris have all closed up shop here in Iowa. Some folks are disappointed. Some say good riddance. And some say, Joe who? For those who picked up the Sea City Journal this morning, Brett had a story on the state of the race in his neck of the woods. So, Brett, uh, have two landers made up their minds on who they'll back in the caucuses, or are they still being coy? Right. Um, well, I uh, wanted to talk to a, a lot of rank-and-file Democrats, and that's what I did um, in, in the last, I guess, week or so. And then I talked to a few party officials, um, former and, and current chair persons with, with various counties. And and a lot of times, as I've said on, on the podcast, um, what I like, when, people, when candidates are coming through the first time, I'll I'll talk to people at the end of it. Um, you know, what you think of the speech? You know, what you think of the person? Have you seen you know other candidates? You know, who, who's in your field? And so back, you know, in spring and summer, I people were assessing. You know, I've got my three or four. I've got two or three that I'm looking through, and, and it's it's just very stark that two months out, that's still kind of the story. Is that so many people are still, I guess, essentially working through the field and they, they they haven't settled so much. And so, you know, I mean, a lot of this is anecdotal, but I also um, cited um, there was a poll that, that a lot of us have reported on here uh, within the past few weeks of um, people, you know, we have the top tier of, of Biden, Sanders, um, um, Elizabeth Warren, and, and um, Buttigieg, but then um, people are kind of soft um, and that, um, you yeah, on, on who their you know who their second choice is, and, and that you know there's just a lot of shifting and a lot of I don't know nebulousness of you know I, I here's my three or four or here's my two top two or three, but two months out the overall story is that people are at least for the many people that I talk to here are, are still assessing the field and trying to you know decide who to support. I'm sorry. Well, are they? Still looking at the same two or three candidates as they were back in the spring or summer, or have they, you know, changed who they're following? Um, I, I would say one thing that I thought was was interesting, and I've kind of picked up on this. Um, um, one person I talked to said, you know, I like a person. Um, you know, say I saw them on, you know, a certain candidate on Monday. And then I saw another one on Friday. You know, I, I thought, well, geez, the one I saw on Monday was was fantastic. But then, well, I saw this, you know, whomever this the other one was a week or a few days later, and and boy, well, no, that you know that person. So it's just, I don't know if it's a if it's a you know a wealth of um, so many being in the so many candidates 
to choose from that, that makes it hard. But I mean, so overall, they like the field. I mean, that, there's no getting around that. That it's not like we, hey, we need more people in the field, and you know, they they feel the people I spoke with feel like there, you know, there's a president amongst the, the, the current group. Um, but you know, you have people come and go, and you know, um, uh, I. I'm sorry, candidates come and go is what I meant with that. And, um, um, you know, someone who they, was even on someone's radar two months ago, well, I've now seen them in person, and you know what? I, they, you know, I like what they said. I like what they said on issues. I like the way they connected, you know. So then now I've got another now I've got another one to, to throw into the mix. And okay, one yeah, thing that was good. very clear. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, one I, thing that was very clear was that, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was going to ask you, um, do you get any sense of what people are looking for to sort of make that final decision, what what it's going to come down to choose between A, B, and C? That that was just where I was going, and, and this is not this is not an issue thing at, at all. But there were there was a few people that I spoke with is. You know, Democrats are going to be fairly similar on the issues. We want someone who can beat Trump. We want the person who can defeat Trump. And and that is very. There was um, one of the. It was a former Woodbury County chairman who I've known for for years. He's been very active for decades here. And um, and he. I asked. I was asking about issues. Like what what are the issues? Like um, you know, immigrant. You know, immigrant. Whatever. You know, whatever. What are the issues? Mm-hmm. Beating Trump, beating Trump, beating Trump was his quote. You know, that, that okay. it boils down to we want someone who can defeat Trump. Yes, you know, the issues matter somewhat, but man, we want someone who can defeat Trump. So it's kind of that electability factor. Right. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so Chad, um, you mentioned that Steve Bullock and Kamala Harris have both dropped out of the race. Harris had pulled well early in the campaign and was in the debate, um, and she moved to Iowa to show that she was uh, committed. Um, why wasn't that enough to, uh, you know, to generate the funds she needs to run a campaign and, and to the support she needs to be competitive? Well, as she said, she... Uh... She lacked the resources and, and currently lacks the support and, and didn't see a path forward. Uh, I think earlier in the campaign when she was when she had a bigger percentage in the polls, she, she sort of had, you know, there was Kavanaugh hearings where she had a good moment. Uh, there was the first debate where she took on Biden pretty strongly and had a good moment. And I just don't think she had the organization on the ground at that time to sort of capitalize on those moments. And I mean, that's what, that's, you know, on one hand, you have organization to sort of build grassroots support for your campaign, get precinct captains, get people move, you know, move people to the caucuses on caucus night to, to support you and, and, you know, galvanize that support. But you also have it so that when something good happens that you can, you know, there's a ripple effect on the ground that, you know, you can turn that, that good moment into some support. So, she, those 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 opportunities kind of slipped away from her, and after that, she just sort of steadily slipped. And by the time she got out of New Hampshire and decided to, uh, you know, invest everything in Iowa, I think it was maybe too late for her to to right the ship. So I think I think it's just some missed opportunities for her, and you know. But there are still opportunities ahead for Kamala Harris. She's talked about as a potential running mate for the nominee. She obviously is, is going to be a force in the Senate, especially with impeachment coming up. So I think I don't think we've heard the last from her. Mm-hmm. And 
Bullock, uh, one of his sort of selling points uh, was that he was a Democrat who had won in a red state in a state that Trump had won. Um, but his pro-gun, pro-choice uh, record never seemed to catch fire here in Iowa. Um, it, it almost seems like he would be a, an ideal candidate in Iowa, but he never caught fire. He, why not? Yeah, well, I mean, structurally, the, there was the, de- the Democratic debate rules kept him off the stage for, I think, all but one debate. So he didn't really get a chance to kind of have that, that moment in the sun to, to, to you know, to, to uh, sort of, you know, pitch his narrative to a broad audience. Uh, he did campaign here a lot and, and tried to, to gain ground. And, and I, you know, it's just, it's just been a bad cycle for these kind of moderate-ish center-left governors. Uh, you know, there was the old Bill Clinton model where you 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 find someone that that has crossover appeal, maybe peel off a few Republicans and right-leaning independents, and and has kind of a moderate record, has executive experience. People are more comfortable with governors sometimes ascending to the presidency, and that was a good model for a while. But now it seems that you know you've got this fight in the Democratic Party. Do you <clears throat> was the election lost in 2016 because? Uh, Hillary Clinton didn't appeal to sort of working class people who voted for Barack Obama or who voted for Democrats, or is it because she didn't uh, appeal to progressives? She didn't, uh, you know, fire up the base of the party to come out and support her, and that's the battle right now. And 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 Bullock was a casualty of that battle. That you've got a lot of people that think the the way to win is to is to nominate someone progressive with with very progressive views on issues and, and not someone who's sort of in the middle and, and has some squishy issue, squishy stances on and guns and some things that progressives feel strongly about. So, yeah, it's, it wasn't a good year for a governor to run for president. Should we be surprised by these departures or just sort of the, the natural rhythm of the caucus campaigns that candidates come and candidates go? Well, it had to happen. I mean, at one point, I, what, what was the high watermark? Was it 25, something like that? Maybe 30, 45, 60, I don't remember. But, I mean, that's, you know, eventually some of these folks had to, and it's, you know, what's sort of amazing is that, you know, Kamala Harris drops out, but we still have, you know, uh, Congressman Delaney and, and some of these others that, that also are polling very, very, you know, not single digits only if you round up generously. So uh, I think we're going to see more departures. The debate format also, you know, had a had a... Had a, pl- a play and, and had a factor in this, and I think a lot of some Democrats have have been complaining that that's taken some of Iowa's thunder away, as we're the ones that are supposed to win in the field. But I think the the party's probably better off with a more compact uh, field going forward, where where voters, as 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 Brett was talking about, who haven't quite made up their mind, can can actually see these candidates on a debate stage or in other venues, and 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 you know have that those choices narrowed and have a a clearer picture. Mm-hmm. You mentioned John Delaney uh, after the Bullock and Harris departures. His campaign put out a news release saying that uh, while others are dropping out, John Delaney endures. And I thought that was a, a strange way to describe his campaign. Endures. They almost sounded like a punishment. Like it's, you know, he he can take it. He's. I don't know. It just seemed like a strange way to describe this campaign. Um, Amy, uh, you know, talking about a, a embarrassment of riches, uh, you've sort of had that in the past week or so with candidates coming through the Cedar Valley area. Um, 
And Brett, uh, I guess the Biden's Mill Malarkey bus tour started over on your side of the state. Brett, let's talk first about you didn't see the vice president, but he was in Western Iowa. What's what's sort of the takeaway uh, of of this Mill Malarkey tour? Is it working? Um, yeah. So the one thing that that I would that I've picked up on, and I guess I would compare it to, he, uh, I'm sorry, and Biden hasn't been through Western Iowa as much as he has been in other parts of Iowa, but he came through initially the first time would be, was in July, and those were fairly scripted, I guess, events. Um, the day that he was he was in Lamar's at a very scripted event that was um, uh, at a hospital and, and was a very few, you know, only invite-only sort of thing, and then he was in Sioux City, and, even, and that was more of a, a rally, and that even that had kind of a more formalized feel to it, I, I guess. Um, but I've noticed these are more on, on the normal Archie tour. First of all, it's a bus tour. It's it's a lot more um, meeting people where they are. It, it seems just, and it's more amb- more ambitious certainly as far as the number of events that he's that he's trying to do with this. But it was more. I guess kind of rubbing shoulders and less scripted in, in what I've seen. Um, it just um, it seems like he's taking more questions from people. And of course, and then was the the big thing yesterday where he uh, got real energized, I guess, with one of the questioners um, over there in Northeast Iowa. And but that would that would be what what I've noticed just as far as like tone and and, and kind of format for this. Mm-hmm. And, and Amy, you saw him the other night uh, in Waverly, I think it was. Um, what's your takeaway from the, the Biden tour? Is it, yeah. uh, is it working, working for him? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the real politicking is really what people in Iowa say that they want. They want to meet the candidates. They want to hear what they say personally. The one lady actually in Waverly told me she was looking for something present before she decided. So we're very spoiled here in Iowa. Um, and Biden is sort of that rare candidate that, that is able to really talk to people and to just, like, converse with people. But he's also the rare top-tier candidate still being unvetted, you know, direct questions to the crowd. I mean, you've probably by now seen the video from his New Hampton stop yesterday um, where he sort of got into it with uh, a voter. Um, and sort of show the perils of that approach, maybe. But nevertheless, it really does seem to resonate with people that, that he's getting out there, he's meeting them again. So he just hasn't swung through here in at least a month. So I think just taking up that time will probably help him in the polls. And, I mean, the people I talked to were adding Biden to their shortlist after his performance there. Keep in mind, you know, these shortlists are like three to five people long still. But, you know, they're still really meeting yeah, so they're not necessarily committing to Biden, but they're they keeping keep him on their list. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be exciting a ton of people. I think he's probably a lot of people's safe choice, especially if they're older. But he really, I think, is that fallback now. And Amy, of course, you were at a Biden rally, but do you hear people talking about Bullock and Harrison saying, you know, I mean, they wish they were still in the race, or it's too bad they dropped out, or... or Yeah, some people are still they, talking about I, I wasn't particularly Harris. I was hearing what's on several people's shortlists. Um, but again, these weren't the only candidates, so their departure acts more as a winnowing rather than, you know, uh, uh, oh, no, i got to pick another candidate. You know, okay, just cross them off. Who do I have left? Um, one candidate, actually, who's making Harris's departure part of his stump speech is Senator Cory 
Arnold and he's speaking to departure as uh, departing as a black woman and what that means for the state of the National Democratic Party. So I'm actually looking for him maybe talk about that perhaps at tonight's local America presidential forum here in Waverly or here in Waterloo tonight where he'll join four other candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a forum hosted by the Mayor's Association, the U.S. Mayor's, is that right? The Conference of Mayors, as well as uh, Accelerator America for Action, which is uh, put on by the Los Angeles Mayor, Eric Garcetti, which he's in town as well. Okay. All right. Lots of visitors. Lots of visitors. Um, I was talking to former Governor Tom Vilsack uh, Thursday, and who was with Biden on the first three days of that you know, malarkey tour, and, and he was saying that he thinks this is like that the right time to catch people as they've sort of uh, shortened their short list, but uh, helping them make up their mind. And, and the one thing he pointed out is he said people he talked to were self-identifying as independents and self-identifying as Republicans, and they are looking at Biden as an alternative to voting for Trump again. They voted for Trump four years ago, but they're not sure they want to do that. And uh, so he thinks that the Biden will emerge as, as the, the alternative to Trump, that uh, a viable alternative. I guess we'll have to, uh, of course, wait and see. Uh, Biden it seems to be calling in reinforcements. He's got uh, former Senator John Kerry with him today on the campaign trail of Kerry, who won the what 2004 Iowa caucuses, has endorsed him. Um, and he's the guy that everybody talks about on, on the campaign trail this year, that, you know, John Kerry was in single digits, and then he came from behind to win. Um, but, Todd, can Kerry help uh, Biden be the come-from-ahead candidate to win the caucuses? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's the, the campaign, you know, portrays this as a, as a you know, a, a, a evidence of strength that these, you know, these big names are endorsing Joe Biden. Of course, the punditry and and all of us look at it and say Biden's calling in the the fire department to to save his campaign. Uh, and in the final analysis, I I don't think endorsements matter a whole lot. John Kerry will probably remember that Howard Dean had endorsements from uh, Tom Harkin and Al Gore and a, a bunch of Democratic luminaries, and and Kerry still came from behind and beat him in the caucuses. So. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think it's all part of the campaign endorsements or something that candidates strive for, but as Iowans make up their mind, I'm not, I'm not sure they, they care much about who, who the surrogates are that are out on the stump or who's supporting Joe Biden. It's all about, you know, which candidate, as, as has been said earlier, as, as Brett said, uh, that, that can beat Donald Trump. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty rare that when I talk to people at rallies, they say, well, I'm waiting to see who endorses. Yeah. You know, candidate X or candidate Y, or 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 mention an endorsement when they say I'm supporting so and so because of an endorsement. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure they matter as much as the campaigns like to make a big deal of endorsements. Um, and, and some of them this year, uh, I mean, I I can't recall a candidate, but they uh, had announced an endorsement from somebody who was an unsuccessful candidate in a primary race. And it's like, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like it's going to add a big uh, block of voters to your, to your support. But, hey, what do I know? That's like, that's like that, endure, that enduring, I think. 
think it's back to that enduring. <laughs> okay, let, let's let's move on to impeachment, uh, and it's beginning to look like a lot like the lump of coal under President Donald Trump's Christmas tree is going to be articles of impeachment. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the House will proceed with articles of impeachment before the year end, setting up a vote before Christmas. Um, there's some new research out by political scientists at UCLA and, and their partners that found that for 85% plus of Democrats and Republicans, impeachment is a big issue. Democrats, of course, want impeachment. Republicans don't. Amy, on the campaign trail, it seems like presidential candidates have been, haven't been talking a lot about impeachment. Um, it seems like only when they're asked. Do you think yeah. um, it, it, this will change that if the House passes articles of impeachment that the candidates will have to talk about it? You're right. It's waiting till they're asked, basically. And actually, Elizabeth Warren was asked about this in Waterloo last weekend, and she does indeed support it and believes the evidence suggested articles of impeachment should be drafted, um, which Speaker Pelosi, in fact, did this week. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it's still a red meat issue for voters. It's, it's sort of, you throw it out there when asked, but maybe you pull back, especially in Iowa. Um, you know, candidates are taking various tactics on it. So I think it'll be interesting to see now that the articles are actually drafted and there's um, arguments to be made for them or against them. Maybe you'll see candidates start to come out of the box and um, really get excited about them. Well, I mean, other than saying they support it, I don't, you know, do I support it more than any other candidate? It almost seems like that's sort of an argument that, uh, yeah. you know, Democrats, like you said, expect all these Democratic presidential candidates to support impeachment. But what do you say after saying, I support it? Um, I think that's going to be interesting to hear how they sort of lay out their case for impeachment. Yes. Um, Brett, uh, a wrinkle in this larger impeachment discussion is now this has become an issue in the 4th District GOP primary race between Steve King and one of his uh, challengers, State Senator Randy Feenstra. Uh, tell us about that. Right. And I guess basically it's a reminder that Steve King, um, uh, for his uh, controversial comments at the the beginning of the year, uh, was taken off of several, well, all of his committees that he had been on in the House. And and one of them would be that he would be uh, front and center for the the hearings. Um, And Randy Feenstra is is making that an issue, you know, as this is playing out as well. Here's here's a reminder. Steve King would be would be on that, and and here's one way that you know that Steve King has left us hanging is what is the approach that Feinster is saying, just taking on this yeah, as has, a reminder that yeah. But. Has King responded at all? I, I haven't I haven't seen anything where where he has. Um, but but I I do want to say um, that I remember I think about a year ago right now I I sat down had a long interview with 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 Congressman King. And um, um, he was uh, it turned into several stories, but one of them, which was never published, was he um, was talking about he couldn't wait for if, if, you know that Pelosi is, is is bound and determined to, to bring up impeachment again. This was 12 months ago, and this is coming down the pike, and I can't wait to be on there because I, I've got experience and and I watched. He, he did, I remember he recounted being in, in 1998. He was in for, uh, for the Clinton. He happened to be in Washington D.C. and and he was in an over floor room, I, I think, and, and, and on one day there, and, and he was citing how that was, you know, seeing that 
somewhat firsthand or through the door firsthand or however that would be in the overflow room, um, you know, to, that he was versed on this and he, he was, you know, chomping at the bit and, and couldn't wait to, to be, you know, a, a defender, I guess, of the president. And, you know, and obviously that, that didn't play out with, with what happened with being stripped from the committees. Somehow, I think that uh, Steve King will find a way to uh, insert himself into this story before it's over. Uh, and if he does, uh, we'll talk about that on a future edition of On Iowa Politics. That's it for today. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the homepage of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette. Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. The Kingsburys will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file. And remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Brett, Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Well, I can leave Special. Sure.